Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, I've got a busy one for you. That's right. Guess what we got coming up shortly? We've got the Real Estate Talk Triangle with Romana King and Greg Bennell. That's right. Uh, it's our monthly event and always, always a great discussion. So I'm looking forward to talking to them. And, uh, you know, we're going to be weighing in with uh, Romano. Uh, Vancouver, it's just not doing as well as I think they were hoping. In fact, um, the average price of a detached home in Toronto is one3 million and uh, now in Vancouver it's dropped to 1.4 it's probably the narrowest margin we have seen in years and that's because Vancouver's coming backwards Toronto is staying put so uh, interesting event and uh, definitely it's always great to have Romana's uh, take on it and uh, with her and Greg it's going to be fun so make sure you tune in in a little while you don't want to miss out Uh, you may as well stay put you know why why don't you listen to me uh, babble about a bunch of things that are going on and of course, with the um, with the February market, all the numbers coming in, uh, not looking great. You know what? I got to tell you, and and I would rather kind of give you the straight goods and give you my perspective on it. Um, right now, activity down 2.4 percent from the same uh, month last year, 20. You know, just so you know, everybody, you know, for a little while there in 2016 and 2017, we were literally comparing every single day the sales from the day before the week before the month before and the year before and now all of a sudden now it's back to the year before so you know year over year that statement has come back into play but you know when when things were going nuts everybody was going almost hour by hour and i'm kind of glad that the heat's not in the market of course we don't want to see prices go down but more more or less we also don't want to see that crazy craziness so let's talk about what the the toronto real estate board's telling us activity was down 2.4 percent from the same t- month last year um with a total of 5,025 homes sold. Now, to give you an idea, um, we obviously are not looking at that to be the average month for the next, uh, until the end of the year, because eh, that's gonna make it for a really bad year. So uh, nothing really, really crazy. But the the one thing though, is that the pricing is staying stable, up 1.6% to an average of 780,000 through the Treb region. Uh, Don't forget that's not just uh, Toronto proper, talking about the suburbs uh everything that uh, is the 905 and 416 and um if we take a look at the city of toronto so that's the number that you if you're sitting in the core you want to know right now pick up a bit more rising 4.1 percent and 840,000 is the average right in the core so that's uh that's an interesting interesting thing but of course sales are down even more in the 416 and when we start seeing this this is what we have to start looking at and saying okay where are we going to end up this year we're not in a spring market and i know a lot of people obviously have been struggling with um with what's going on as far as weather in february listen it was no no great uh, great time obviously with all the snow and a lot of cancellations of things so you know i don't take a, a take put a lot of uh, you know effort into saying that you know february is one that we it's in the books you know we'll wait and see how uh, how we round out for the end of march but again um, looking at things. And of course, you know, don't forget, you can uh, go to the simpleinvestor.com, register for our up and coming seminar for March the 28th at 7 p.m. For those <clears throat> that missed it on the February, 
you know, because of the snowstorm. Go figure. Anyways, of course, everything's got to have a little bit of effect right now with snow and travel time and everything else. I know it's a heck of a fun time. Now, one of the things, though, that Trev does uh, do, and I, I, I will give them credit, and we're going to talk uh, a little bit later about also what Aurea is doing, but Trev is urging the feds to consider housing affordability. And, you know, this is this is the thing. When we keep talking about the stress test, again, over a year old, uh, 13, 14 months old now, uh, it has it has done its thing. It has definitely uh, created a lot of problems for a lot of people. And I know that it's one of those things that we talk a fair bit here. And, you know, whenever we can and whenever we can get in front of some kind of governing body, we want to make sure that people know that it's probably time for them to make an adjustment. Now, of course, if they're not willing to make adjustment, there is the consideration that people want to extend the amortization period. So that's the time that it pay, takes to pay off your mortgage from 25 years to 30 years. Um, I don't know if that's the right play. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. But of course, this is one of the things that uh, they are, you know, kicking around to see maybe if it will make things a little bit more affordable. So, you know, throw an extra five years means your monthly payment's going to drop a little. Again, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be the smartest thing. For some people, it might be just because, you know, they don't plan on paying off their mortgage. They're probably going to sell the property in the next few years. Uh, one of the things, though, um, you know, whenever I look at stats each month, I thought I'd give a shout out to Mississauga because their numbers actually uh, have come up. They're, uh, it's a pretty strong start. You know, as I mentioned, 1.6% increase uh, pretty much for the whole TREB, uh, you know, including 905. But Mississauga was actually one of the leaders in the marketplace. And this is, uh, this is what I actually found, uh, you know, quite interesting. Um, you know, right now their numbers are up, and if we if we take a look at it, um, you know, as far as a price, um, you know, it uh, the, the numbers were good. I mean, you know, we're we're looking at the home prices, which rose eight point six percent. That's a big number, and I think it was because they really got hit hard last year. And if that's the case, then you know everybody's going to jump up to Mississauga and go, "Let's go, let's go." Um, probably not, but I think that because uh, Mississauga got really walloped um, in the beginning of last year. So again, the numbers can be skewed. You just have to kind of break them down and figure out what we're looking at. Um, as I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, though, average price of 1.3 million for a detached in Toronto. Um, again, you know it was higher. Uh, you know it did it did fall back down a little, and now we're going to have to wait and see. Will a spring market actually come into play. I'm not sure if it will or not. Uh, some of the other things, of course, that we're seeing is that the commercial real estate is, eh, it's doing okay. Nothing nothing crazy. Um, right now, we know that um, there is still a vacancy issue for businesses and it will continue to grow over the next little while. Um, as far as uh, as far as taking a look at uh, getting ready for the spring market, and I try to uh, try to delve into this right around this time of year. Okay, so here we are. We're coming up to March break. I don't know if your plans are to get your house ready to sell, but I figured I'd give you a little bit of my checklist. You know, as uh, as a previous realtor forever and selling a great deal of homes, one of the things that people always ask me to do is, you know, Todd, can you pop into our house and take a look and tell us what we need to do to get it ready to sell? And you know, that's 
that's uh, that's one of those things that you know you kind of feel bad about because and 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 you have to be open minded. If your realtor is willing to tell you what you need to do, you know, understand uh, they're not trying to insult you. But a lot of people, you know, they will put custom colors or a certain color of something or artwork or things like that. You know, you your your house is your home and your home is more individualized to you. And one of the things is that you know you need to realize that not everybody is going to like you know fuchsia or you know forest green and i know that's not a common color but there's still a few of them out there and one of the things that you should always remember if you want to get the most bang for your buck here is my number one thing you can do paint okay no matter what nice warm neutral colors white trim white ceilings you know uh it can be you know like a putty uh soft colors but something fairly neutral but warm throughout the entire house make it a blank slate you know a lot of people don't realize that how long their pictures have been up on the wall and if you take them off and you look behind it's like wow the paint used to be that color but the truth is is that if you do it right you can prep your home to have the best first impression and remember folks we are not in that crazy market anymore anymore where people just literally will put a offer on your house just from pictures alone when people start talking about staging when people start talking about getting your house ready to sell well now is the time if you want to be part of that spring market push this is the time to do it so declutter really important don't worry about putting stuff in your garage make it nice and neat and tidy utilize it most people don't put their cars in the garage anyways they're kind of useless but this is one of the things nice clean boxes storage clean up everything you know it's amazing if you actually do one room a day where you go in and you declutter you'll be amazed at how your house will look different but like i said this is the time where you know painters start getting busy so if you're not doing it yourself you need to hire a painting company you know this is the time where you want to jump on it because if you want to make the spring market and the spring market really begins after the March break this is where people get back you know they get focused they want to get their house in the market they know that it's gonna take a little bit of time now not like it used to but a little bit of time now to sell it and you're closing ideally most people if you've got kids in school you are now shooting for the summer okay because that's the best time to move kids aren't in school get them into a new school this is the time that's gonna happen so let's get that house ready Again, some of the things at this time of year, we got snow outside, so you're not going to be cleaning up the landscaping. I'm not telling you plant a lot of flowers, but you know what? Paint, 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 paint. Ceiling for sure, because if, if it's faded, you want to make it nice and bright, nice neutral colors. Make sure that trim is nice and bright. That's it. Keep it simple. And that is going to be my best advice for you to get big bang for your buck. Of course, things like, you know, if you've still got the four screen toilet, um, you can throw in a new one, but ultimately in the end, maybe the people are not going to renovate. Maybe they're going to knock it down. If it's one of those, then maybe painting is not the most important thing, but decluttering will be. And because they need to see how big something is always. So it's very important that you do this walkthrough. Um, remember when hiring a realtor, uh, it's always good to turn around and interview several. And don't just sit back and let them buy you by the price. Find out what services they offer. Find out what kind of marketing they're gonna do. Find out what kind of money they're going to spend on your property and how available they are to you for your questions. This is probably one of the most important transactions in your life. If you're going to be selling your property, 
you want to make sure you've got somebody you're comfortable with. If you're not comfortable with them, it's going to be very hard for you to believe them on the other side of the table. So that's uh, that's just a couple of my tips that I like to give out to people when you're thinking of selling in the spring markets here, or it's going to be. So we hope so. We'll wait and see. So coming up after the break, we've got our Real Estate Talk Triangle coming. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Uh, so you know what? My, my favorite time of month, obviously, is at the very beginning because my two guests joining me now is uh, Romana King and she is from Zolo as well as she is a real estate expert and I've got Greg Bennell from BNM Bloomberg and uh, folks welcome back to the show. Always great to be here. Great to be here. So um, I know I know we're a little pressed for time uh, today, Romana. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to go to you on the West Coast immediately. Lots going on out there. Uh, in fact, they keep telling us that your prices keep dropping. Um, what's going on? Well, uh, prices keep dropping. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's we're not surprised. We knew that 2018 there was a correction, uh, more inventory sitting in the market, people are getting spooked, um, and we're getting reports out of other areas, other provinces that that are spooking people even more. I mean, I think uh, the you know yearly change from you know last March to this March, there's only about a three percent decline. Um, you know, but people are a little worried and things are sitting on the market for, you know, a lot longer. Um, I know that uh, Edmonton and Calgary have made a lot of, um, they've rattled the cages a lot because they really feel like the mortgage stress te- test has really impacted them quite severely. And, uh, you know, money flows back and forth between the two provinces, so... Yeah, and you know one of, one of the things as you, as you mentioned, the stress test has been a, has been a real real issue, obviously. And um, I know a lot of people are now str- uh, trying to lobby um, and and try to wake up, you know, the federal government to say, listen, it's time for us to change this up. One one of the suggestions, of course, out there has been, you know, fine, remove it for first time home buyers, and because you know that's always the driving uh, part of the market. But would that have much of an impact, let's say, in the BC market if they remove the stress test? Do you, do you think the I'm not say the floodgates are going to open because I don't think they will but do you, do you think it'll kind of give it a little bit of a kick? Uh, I, I do actually I think that part of the problem is that um, people want the, the prices to come down so there's a bit of hesitancy in the market and they want prices to come down a little bit because they know prices are correcting uh, and yet they can't afford a lot so th- there's that sort of gap between how much a townhouse costs and how much a single-family home costs and they want to see that gap close that they have a downward pressure on on the townhouse prices and the condo prices and uh, maybe a few more people can move into the single family i think with interest rates still low and low for the foreseeable future people are still trying to maximize that budget to get the most house they can for you know the longest term right so i think it would help i think what would really help is if they removed it for first-time home buyers and they increased amortization to you know reintroduce the 30-year amortization yeah. So, Greg, one of the things, of course, we heard from the Bank of Canada this week is the fact that they were going to hold the rates. In fact, they're not saying anything in the near future. They're even looking towards the end of the year before a potential rate increase. You know, if we if we start talking about that, you know, for for the longest time, uh, both uh, you and Romano, you know, we were talking about the fact that we felt that this interest rate was going to continue to go up, and now it seems like they've got the brakes hard on them. Yeah, the game changed. The key words from the Bank of Canada, two key words, increased uncertainty, they said, when it comes to where they want to move rates, because uh, a lot of uh, people who are watching your central bank watchers were sort of thinking, how is Canada, the last Western central bank, still with a bias towards raising rates, that tightening 
bias, and they didn't give it up yesterday, but they're definitely softening and pulling back. Uh, a lot of uh, watchers of central banks, economists think maybe they're on hold for the rest of this year, or maybe they're even done. Like we've seen, and, and what, as you said, Tal, what a reversal from just a couple months ago and mm -hmm. saying, get ready, we're going up another 75 basis points, maybe 100 basis points, you better get your financial house in order. And suddenly this this reprieve, which can become a dangerous thing, right? I, I mean, I talk to other people, uh, financial commentators who say, don't, the average Canadian now shouldn't just back up the truck and say, ooh, <laughs> interest rates aren't old, put some more money in the back of the truck, everything's good, it's going to be like the been for the past 10 years, we're, we're still carrying record debt loads, but it seems that we're, we're not in any danger of paying more in terms of interest in the next little a while. Yeah, Romana, are you seeing, you know, obviously, you know, it's one of those things that you, you're right there, part of the pulse of the market. And when, when everybody's thinking there's a run up, you know, everybody starts getting worried and, and they start, you know, investors start pulling back saying, you know, we can't buy an investment property because five years from now, we could be looking at five or 6% interest rates. You know, this, this is a big concern. Now, if we start seeing this, you know, it's going to take a while, I think, for everybody's mind to shift back saying, oh, okay, interest rates aren't going to go up skyrocketing. But at the end of the day, do you, do you think it, it's going to help? the markets? I do, and I think we get evidence of that every year. Every year, the banks really compete hard to get the new mortgage business in the spring. They lower their rates. There's a whole flood of people that come in, buy, and then things sort of even out historically for the rest of the year with a bit of a blip and fall. So we know that rates really do impact house buying decisions. And if rates are going to continue to be low, you're going to see people definitely want to move into the housing market now, particularly with the, the housing uh, price correction. I think part the two things that we have to watch is that, you know, the increased uncertainty talks about the economy and whether or not there's jobs. If people feel secure about their jobs and if there's continued gross employment in their province and their city and rates are still low and prices have corrected, I think we will see a stronger uh, spring than we are currently predicting right now. One of the, I think my concerns, of course, is that, you know, we we've got, gotten through the first two months uh, of the market and it's not stellar. We, you know, right now, <laughs> obviously, you know, the GTA, uh, you know, weather has not obviously cooperated, but um, in sales, Treb, Treb came out, you know, prices, yeah, eked up just a tiny bit from February last year, but that also, I mean, prices pretty much dropped because of the stress test and everything that affected last year. So, you know, there's no, no real indication right now, Romana, that we're going to have a strong spring market other than maybe it's just going to be kind of status quo, maybe a little neutral. There's no indication, and, and we've seen this before in 2015, there was a really tough year, and everyone sort of said, oh, you know, spring was terrible, and then summer was actually a little bit more robust than we anticipated, and things started picking up, and 2016 was a stellar year. So I think what we're seeing is, it again goes back to this idea of how secure do I feel as a, as a home buyer based on mortgage rates, based on my employment, based on my decisions, and, you know, and weather does play an impact. We've seen this, where if you have a really late winter and spring doesn't come till April, things don't pick up till April or May. And if you have an early spring, you're going to see, you know, activity we're, across the country. We're still got record cold snow all over the place, even in Vancouver. So I think the the verdict is still out as to how well we're going to do this spring. Yeah. Yeah. The Toronto real estate, real estate board in their latest release seemed to have, if they were looking for the silver lining, it's like, well, you know, even though sales activities depressed year over year, we are actually seeing tighter inventory, less people putting their homes up for sale. And I don't know how to read that. I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> supply and demand is simple, but... It's sort of like when the jobless rate goes down and you say, well, why did it go down? The more people get jobs, it's like, oh, no, people stopped 
looking for work. Yeah. And that's not a good reason for the jobless rate to come down. Are people uh, so uh, nervous about this market they're not even bothering to list their homes? It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a weird indicator. Okay. So you know what, Greg? You and I are going to pick that up after the break. I know that Ramana has got to go. But Ramana, thank you so much for joining us, as usual, on the Talk Triangle. And we'll talk to you next month. Thank you so much, Todd. Thank you so much, Greg. Always a pleasure. Folks, when I come back, I've got more with Greg Bennell without Ramana King. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest now is Greg Bennell. He is from BNN Bloomberg. And uh, Greg, we uh, we just finished off with Ramana. She had to go a little bit early for our talk triangle. And uh, interesting conversation, obviously. We're talking about the West Coast. Let's move our real estate focus uh, over here to the GTA area and in, into Ontario. A um, lot going on. And, uh, you know, I think I think right now the government, uh, you know, they're getting ready, of course, for things such as, you know, budgets and scandals and <laughs> upcoming elections. And uh, what do you think? You know, like, you know, so many things impact real estate and, you know, the federal government, the provincial government. Let, let, let's start with the big boys. Let's let's start about w- with the guys that, you know, haven't got it straight. Who says what and boohoo, my feelings are hurt. Let's start with the federal guys. I mean, there's so much going on in terms of political controversy in Ottawa, and there have been promises ahead of all that eruption over SNC-Lavalin and how they've been handling that, uh, that they wanted to do something for millennials. They wanted to do something to help people get into the housing market. So you could say, with this budget less than two weeks away and their desperate need to try to change the channel on what we're talking about at Ottawa, because we're not talking about the budget right now, we're not talking about housing when it comes to the federal liberals, we're talking about SNC-Lavalin, that there's going to be something in there. There's going to be something in the budget to help people get into the housing market. I, I've heard what the, the industry wants and what people are hoping for. I, If I had to bet, I'm not a betting man by nature, but if I had to bet, I would say they're not going to budge on the stress test. Just because OSFI, the banking regulator, they dug in their heels so firmly, uh, the superintendent and his deputy giving separate speeches where they basically said, uh, that 200 basis points, this isn't a little lever that we push up and push down. They, they just sort of really dug in. And there was that, that one speech where they just went through point by point. Here's the criticism. Here's our defense. Here's the criticism. Here's our defense. So I don't know if uh, if the liberals would risk it, if they would if they would want to go there and sort of go head to head with Osvi, but I do think there's other things they can do. And remember, they don't have a lot of money to throw around either, in terms of what could they can do in the budget heading into election. Or Romana bought it up. I, I think it's highly likely, a, a very big possibility that they'll say, okay, 30-year amortizations on insured mortgages. That brings your monthly payment down for the first-time home buyer. Maybe that makes life a little bit more affordable for you. Maybe they tweak the home buyer's plan. You can take a little more out of your so, you know, retirement savings to put towards that down payment. There's a lot of things they can do there. It's not going to cost them any money. And I think that's key heading into this election, too. Uh, they, they want the best of both worlds. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry that I'm laughing so much. Because, you know, when, when, whenever you talk about the federal government, I mean, you know, it, it's really been, I, I, I hate to say, you know, I don't know if you remember the old show, the Uncle Bobby show, and they used to, used to have this little clown called Bimbo. And it would go, the Bimbo, the birthday clown. And it used to come out, and, and sorry, I'm, I'm really aging myself here, but... The truth is, is that right now the federal government, that's how I feel about them. You know, there's just, they're in such a state and yet, you know, one of, and, and historically, this is probably one of the biggest housing crises we've seen as far as vacancy, people being able to get into some form. And when we, we have to be careful when we say affordable housing, 
you know, there, there obviously has to be a, a certain money zone. But when we talk about the federal government, you know, the promises, and I think, I, I actually, Greg, I actually believe they're going to come fast and furious about commitments. And, and unfortunately, the problem with anything made as a promise in an election year... It's, it's, yeah, you got to vote us back in if you want to see it. Well, yeah, not only vote them back in, but you also are going to have to wait for 10 years. Yeah. Because everything has that... Have you ever noticed, you know, and, 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 and sorry, you know, even right down to, you know, some city and municipal elections you know you always say well you know in the next 10 years we're going to create and you know the first eight years is you know uh, nothing happens for eight years tea and cookies and then you'll get it eventually yeah exactly and and so you know this is and and we talk about this all the time this is a serious issue you know i can tell you that even even at the station you know there are people that are saying they're saying you know i want to be able to buy a property i want to buy a house i want to be able to rent something i want to get down into certain areas and they can't okay it's just there's no vacancy you know uh now they can't can't afford because of the stress test you know right now we've got a federal government that i think personally you know they overstepped the bounds when they put it in they should have put some form of pressure valve on this thing saying okay fine the first year is like this but first time home buyers what we're going to do is you know if you can if you can qualify at this then we're going to drop it down to one percent or we're going to let you do it at post but at, with the way they sit today, there's no wiggle room. And so take a look at the fact that you've got people that have paid their mortgage for the last 10, 15, or five years, whatever it's been, since they had their mortgage. They can't move lenders without getting a stress test. Okay, and so why cannot, why, why didn't they grandfather those people to say, hey, listen, if you want to move lenders, you can, but if you, if you do today, you have to go through a stress test. Yeah, it was, it was pretty there, – there was no – like you said, there was no sliding bar. There was no room. If, they, if that, those had been the rules at the outset, so listen, we got the stress test at 200 basis points. But like you said, Todd, if the Bank of Canada goes up 100 basis points over the next little while and, you know, we get four or five rate hikes, which we eventually did get out of the bank, then, then we'll modify this. But they've sort of painted themselves – governments often do paint themselves into a bit of a corner. And the banking regulator likes what they're seeing, so they're not willing to change anything. And so it becomes a really tough situation in terms of – and particularly you've said, and this has been a big concern for a lot of people. You want competition in the marketplace. I mean, that's what gets consumers uh, the best value for whatever product they're getting. But if you can't leave your bank and they know, because they've seen your income, they've, they know how much you owe on your mortgage at renewal, and you can't walk across the street, you've lost all that advantage. Because that was the advantage. You sat down there with the person, and I've done it in the past. Uh, the bank I first had a mortgage with uh, the first time around, and they offered me some rate that was absolutely ridiculous. And I said, yeah, well, no thanks to that. And I went somewhere else, and I got a considerably better rate. That game is going to be over for a lot of people, and that's not the way we want you know competition in the marketplace. We want people to be able to say, if you can't offer me what I need at the price I want, there's someone else who can do it. Well, and I'll give you a perfect scenario. You know, some people have HELOCs, so, uh, you know, home equity lines of credit on their property. So you may have paid down your mortgage, but you might be use, utilizing that line of credit. And some of, you know, some of our listeners would be utilizing it to help their kids out to get either education or, for that matter, a property. So now they can't budge, even though they should be able to qualify, you know, on, on any other regular day and they've been able to pay their debts and they're still running with 20 to 30 percent of equity in their property you know they, they've utilized it and been able to help other parties uh, out there at this day they can't move they are stuck and 
and that's 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 worrisome because you know what you don't get the service you don't you know you're you're, you're being kind of forced into a scenario and without it you know like you said competition goes away um, one of the, one of the things that uh, you know again comes into a concern of course is the fact that you know we're we're listening to you know the lack of inventory for rentals and you know now we've got people that are you know struggling just to even find a place to live um, there's no there's no solutions in the city of Toronto or the province right now. I know that the Ford government is trying to do things, but again, there's a big timeline attached to everything. That's a problem. There's no easy play anymore because for decades and decades it was a no-brainer. Particularly, I mean, I've been almost a Toronto resident my entire life, except for a couple of years in Ottawa for school, and there was just you just kept going out, and there was plenty of farmland. My family moved to Bramalee, which is outside of Toronto for people who aren't familiar, in the 70s, and there was nothing but space to keep building more and more houses. But as that game ends and people say, I don't want to drive two hours to get to work. Everyone's trying to find what's the solution now in filling the existing part of the city. You got zoning problems. I mean, I, I know there's a pitch right now on from uh, home builders and the Ontario Real Estate Association to say, you know, you got to look at the way that you're zoning things. We, If you want us to make sure that we're putting places for people to live along existing transportation corridors, then you've got to change what we're allowed to build there. Some of this has to make sense at some point. So I think the hard work, uh, it's already begun to a certain degree, but it really begins now and that you just can't keep saying, well, you know, we just opened up a new subdivision north of this here or north of there. And people are saying, wait a minute, that's like a 90 minute drive to get to work. I don't want to move out there. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because, like you said, and and right now, I don't know if you heard some of the stuff that was going on with the uh, with the TTC and some of the other some of the other public transit. But uh, again, not not real shiny things being spoken about how we're going to advance and increase our uh, our ability to get around the city, and especially when some of the heads of the of our, our transits are, don't even use it. You know, it was interesting because I was listening to Barb DiGiulio the other night. And of course, you know, um, one of the comments was, is that, uh, you know, I don't use it because it takes me 90 minutes to get into work. So I, I take my car. <laughs> don't, don't, wow. you think, don't you think that should be a requirement? Like if you're running some major transportation hub, you have to say, and part of my contract is I take it to work and from work every single, because I do. I take the GO train every day. I live that. So uh, yeah, I think the people who are running it should be on the right side, right there sitting beside me. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Greg, I want to talk more about that. And of course, where we see the market going. And of course, the Ontario Real Estate Association did a little release this week. We're going to talk about uh, speaking of the Transit Hub. So stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with Greg. And welcome back. Um, So if you're just tuning in and you missed the show, remember, go to News Talk 1010 and click on Simply Real Estate. You can pick me up on the SoundCloud. And uh, a little bit earlier, we had Romana King join us for the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And uh, now I've just got my duo uh, happening, (laughs) Greg Bennell and myself. Dynamic duo. Dynamic duo. Well, okay. (laughs) I, you you can be Batman. I've seen your height. You know you're a lot taller than I am. So I but I just you know I just can't can't admit that I could be Robin. Okay, I'll just have to be another sidekick. But uh, Greg, always a pleasure having you on the show. And one of the things, of course, when we were talking uh, just uh, just before the break, is you know what's going on with the, uh, with the federal government. Uh, what we take a look at, you know, as far as stress tests and things like that. And of course, how do we how do we open up inventory? And um, you know, the Ontario Real Estate Association this week, they uh, you know I I 
like the work that Tim Hudak is doing. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I've been very impressed. Uh, you know, he's he's been aggressive. Uh, he is trying to do everything he possibly can, not just for realtors. I know a lot of people think that, you know, when, when you hear about the Ontario Real Estate Association, it's all about realtors. But the truth is, is that, you know, it, it, it's really, it, it, they're, they're advocating to be able to get more people into home ownership and not just so realtors make commissions, but, you know, they, they teamed up with the Ontario Home Builders Association. Um, and one of the things that they were, they threw out was the fact that they turned around and they were able to get Ryerson to do a study for them. And, you know, it was important. So Ryerson University Center for Urban Research and Land Development, and they had concluded by doing a build around and above Ontario transit hubs is key to creating thousands of new homes for Ontario families. In fact, uh, the number was quite, quite substantial up to, uh, you know, a couple of million residents could be developed over a period of time. Of course, that's not the, the number they're looking for. But um, what do you think? You know, we, we, we got NIMBYism here in the city. You know, everybody everybody keeps complaining that they can't find a place to live, but yet, you know, um, they could do it right in their own backyard. Yeah, they don't want to see their neighborhoods change, right? And that's that's it exactly. Thing. I, I think density is great. I think this is great and that's great. And they say, okay, well, we're going to radically change your neighborhood. And you say, well, wait a minute. We like our neighborhood. We like, you know, the one, two-story homes. It's quiet. Don't mess with my space. I actually saw it in the uh, in the 90s when I was still a university student and my summer job was actually road construction and most of our work was in North York and I was witnessing at the time you know, whole neighborhoods of you know, low-rise homes being bought up for that intensification and it's the kind of thing that happens to cities as, as they start to grow. So there's a lot of areas in Toronto that are still very, for people who aren't like familiar with the city, there is like a downtown core that looks like, you know, and it is a big city, but it doesn't take long in Toronto in either direction. Once you get out of that core to be in like leafy neighborhoods with single family homes or, you know, row homes and town home, town homes. And that's the kind of thing where if you're going to infill, particularly along the transit lines, then those neighborhoods are going to have to change. So that's a bit of a battle too. And I think what you were saying it was important about the Ontario Real Estate Association, the home builders teaming up with Ryerson, because I think one of the big perceptions that need to change as well is that every time someone hears a home builder say, well, we, we need to, to make these changes so we can build people some homes, like, oh, sure, yeah, you just want to make money building homes. And of course they do. That's their business. But we look at the, the immigration trends, the population change trends, and people moving to urban centers. There, there's a lot of people coming to Canada's big cities over the next decade, over the next 20 and 30 years. And if we're not building places for them to live, it is only going to get worse. Yeah. And, and when we take a look at it, this is, this is one of my big concerns, of course, is the fact that, you know, we, if you take a look at the corridor, if we don't build along the corridor, then we're going to have to worry about building more transit. Okay. And, and as everybody knows, based on everything that's been going on here in the city, you know, building transit, new transit or adding to new, adding to the existing transit is almost impossible. I mean, it is taking years and years and years for everything to happen. So the farther we push it out, the less transit we're going to have. And then everybody starts talking about the drive. And so, you know, if we're able to, you know, I hate to use the word shoehorn, but there is areas that have potential, you know, they're unused, underdeveloped, perhaps a building that, you know, you know, 50 years ago made sense, but today it doesn't, you know, you've, you've got a, a four-story block that quite frankly, if you got rid of it and you went up, you know, up 20 stories, not, 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 nothing like 80 story, you know, luminous hanging <laughs> over your head, but you know, ultimately in the end, we, we, we see it, but it makes sense because you're sitting right already on transit and this could make a big difference to the city. But again, as you and I know, 
if they don't also put together a red tape package that has a big eraser to it, we're not going to see anything for the next 10 years anyways. Yeah, because people want incentives. Builders are in the business ultimately to make money. So if it's too tough for them to do it, and if it's a zoning issue or a red tape issue, then it doesn't happen. There's an interesting part of this conversation too when you talk about, okay, uh, intensifying along the transit corridors. Also an idea that we don't want it just to be one way. We don't want all of all of these corridors to be intensified because people are getting on in the morning, all going to downtown Toronto and then getting on the evening. So you only have that one way travel. Can we develop these other areas of the city where there's a reason in the morning for people to be going there as well as leaving there? Because right now, when, I, when my example, of course, because I live in Brampton, is that in the morning, everyone is going from Brampton into the city and in yep. the night, we're all going back out again, but there's not a lot of people in the morning. One of the things also, uh, you know, there's a stigma that's floating around and I thought I'd address it with you. Um, and, you know, next time maybe we'll talk to Romano about it. But of course it is, we're, we're talking about co-living and a lot of times, you know, people want to call it, um, you know, rooming houses. And yet there could be the potential of opening up, you know, where you've got a private bedroom allowed to be locked. You know, we have to, we have to start working a little bit more with building code and things like that. But, you know, there is a great potential for it and yet you know there's been a big issue obviously local municipals dealing with it and saying listen we don't want rooming houses you know you you, you the odd time you have a tragic uh, you know uh, you know occur occurrence happen but ultimately in the end you know this could be something that could open up you know a legitimate you know spot for people to rent when you think about some of the homes and even places that I rented when I first moved to Toronto over 20 years ago, and they were they were grand, big homes. If you get into the annex area of Toronto, those those houses are huge. And one of the houses that I lived in, I, I wouldn't call it a rooming house, but the the landlord, the owner of the house, had, and he lived in there too, had it all carved up. And I think there was, in the end, six different apartments in what used to be the single-family home in the annex because those homes are just that big. So there's definitely, when you think about the, the rental market, a lot of it's been like these existing homes that were built for obviously would have been a very wealthy family. 100 years ago, living in a home that size, but still now taking, you know, maybe there's a dozen people living in that house. So there's definitely options to explore. Of course, in the end, you do, as you alluded to, worry about the safety considerations. Who's running those homes? Are they, are they safe? Are they proper? But yeah, we start looking at every solution. The laneway home conversation, it feels like it's died down lately. I know, I know the city of Toronto has a lot of laneways and the place that I, one of the other places I lived in, the laneway right behind. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of sort of real estate in the sense of like actual physical space in the city that we probably need to rethink about how we're using it to get people in there if we want people to live in the city. Yeah, and I say this in jest, but does that mean that every 75-year-old that does not have, you know, four people in their house, they should sell their house, they should be mandated? Because I mean, there, <laughs> there was actually a suggestion. So there was a study done, and I can't remember the author's name. Um, you know, if, if, if I could run their foot over, I would, because they actually had implied that if you are aged and you do not use three of your bedrooms in your house, then you should be forced to either take a tenant in or sell your house. They actually believe that it is our our baby boomers that are ca causing this issue. 
That's and, I, I, I would have a very hard time mandating by law that you have to get out of your house at a certain time. But it is an interesting problem. I, th- I think people were thinking the market incentives would mean that the boomers would say, well, you know, I got this big house and I bought it for 40 grand in 1962. I can sell it for 1.3 million. Like all the economics seem to make sense as to cashing out. Uh, but that's not happening. And people are, I think they're called what, being overhoused. I think about my parents yeah, in a four bedroom sure. house and there's just the two of them. And, uh, but you know, they have to live somewhere. They want to well, be close to their grandchildren. Uh, they're, they're not going to take off three hours north. So, you know, they shouldn't be forced to leave that house they've been in since 1983. Sure. But it's also the devil they know. It's their house. Mm-hmm. They've paid it off. You know, they have memories and everything else. And and despite the fact that, you know, there is the potential of, uh, you know, money, equity being made on it because um, primary residence, there's no taxation, of course. But ultimately, in the end, you know, it, the, the time will happen. And this is why, you know, we find obviously in a lot of the different neighborhoods throughout you know, I'd say Ontario, that, um, you know, somebody that's lived there for 30 years, you always see the people kind of salivating saying, hey, let's wait for that one so we can go knock it down. You know, people aren't necessarily taking the same house and moving 10 people into it. They are waiting to knock it down so they can build and redevelop the, the actual property. The boomers, right? I mean, people have written about this for decades, the, how they've changed everything. I think the economics, too, of the idea of downsizing at one point, and my, my, using my parents as an example, who are in their early 70s now, I mean, that you bought the four-bedroom house because, you know, my grandparents would come to stay sometimes, you had two kids, and it's okay, you needed the space. They don't need it anymore. So maybe 20 years ago, they thought, well, then we downsized to a bungalow, but the boomers change everything, right? The bungalows in my parents' neighborhood are more expensive than their two-story, four-bedroom house because they are the higher demand product for the boomers who are looking to downsize into a bungalow. So they've done the math on that. And they're like, well, you know, our original plan was, you know, to get out of this house and it would be another family's home with, you know, kids in elementary school, but we're not going to pay more downsize. And that's basically the situation they're in now. They'd have to pay more to get into a bungalow. Yep. Well, listen, Greg, always a pleasure having you on the show. Um, our, Of course, our uh, listeners can catch you on The Real Economy on uh, the uh, Bloomberg Network. And um, that is on Tuesdays at? Tuesdays at, actually, no, we're every day of the week, Monday yeah, through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern time for an hour, The Real Economy. Old, the old house money was only once a week. That's so now right. we spread it you out know, through, the, through the week. See, you know what, yeah, and, and that's the thing. See, folks, you know, we we, we get we need more real estate and we need more Greg Bennell, so we got him five days a week. That is awesome. Anyways, <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me uh, this week. Oh, my pleasure, always. Excellent. Folks, that was Greg Bennell, and remember, you can catch him every day on Bloomberg for The Real Economy. I want to thank Romana King joining me. We did have the talk triangle going on, and if you missed it, make sure you rewind and get to it. And uh, remember, you can sign up for the Simple Seminar Wednesday, so it's Thursday. Thursday, March the 28th at 7 p.m. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com. I want to thank uh, Andre and Ian. They make it simple. I want to thank you for tuning in. And remember, I'm back back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.